Do you struggle to find great workout music for yourself or class that you're teaching? Have you ever dreamed of continually having updated playlists designed for you? On today's episode, we discuss an app that does just this and more. Welcome to the Truly Fit Podcast, where we interview experts in fitness and health to expand our wisdom and wealth. I am your host, Steve Washuda, co-founder of Truly Fit and author of Fitness Business 101. On today's episode, I interview Rusty Green. He is the CEO and founder of Fit Radio. That's going to be the lion's share of our conversation today, what Fit Radio is, how it can help you in your business. If you're somebody who works at a gym, if you own a gym, if you're a group fitness instructor, a personal trainer, or if you're somebody who's just in the general population and you're looking to have great workout music designed on your behalf. You can search through genre. You can search through BPM. There's so many options. And in addition to just talking about, let's say, the uh, utility of this, I always like to talk about how people got started, why they they chose this individual app and this project. Did they see a hole in the market? What struggles did they have? It's a really great story hearing Rusty and all he went through to develop this and sort of push through with with entrepreneurs uh, like myself. I know how difficult it is to stay the course and believe in yourself and never quit. And uh, Rusty has a great story. So this month, as a reminder uh, for anybody who has listened to the previous episodes, we're going to do almost all app-based stuff. We have the No Way app. We have coming up We Shape in the following week. And today we have Fit Radio. With no further ado, here's Rusty Green and I. Steve, thank you so much for joining the Truly Fit Podcast. Why don't you give my listeners and audience a little background on who you are and what it is that you do day-to-day in the health and fitness industry. Sure. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'm Rusty Green. I'm the founder and CEO of Fit Radio. Um, We are a music service that specializes in fitness content, um, hour-long fitness mixes, um, running content, all the way from class-specific content. Uh, we power the music for Orange Theory, Burn Boot Camp, F45, and thousands of other sort of boutique fitness chains in uh, North America. Uh, we're also available in Australia and the UK and Canada. Wow. So what gave you the impetus behind creating Fit Radio? Were you in the fitness industry prior to that and saw like a, a, a hole in the market? Were you in the music industry and thought it would be advantageous? What, like, what started this, this brainstorming uh, to, to creation? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good story. Um, so yeah, going back to my childhood, I think one of my first jobs was working in fitness. I worked the front desk at Gold's Gym. I think I've told the story before, but um, you know, I would burn CDs back in the LimeWire days for people who were coming in the gym. Um, you know, I worked as a personal trainer, and I was always passionate about fitness. Um, went to school, got a degree in exercise physiology, um, with a plan to go to physical therapy school. Um, was going to school at Georgia State in Atlanta at the time, and uh, I was working security at a nightclub, a large nightclub in Atlanta. Um, and there was a point that I graduated where I kind of had a choice to go to physical therapy school or uh, they gave me an opportunity to be the general manager of this large nightclub in Atlanta at 23 years old. Um, so obviously went that direction. We were booking DJs, um, you know, we were booking all kinds of talent from you know, hip hop to rock to electronic music. Um, you know. 2,000, 3,000 person events, um, you know, two to three nights a week. Um, so doing that for years, I mean, I always kind of had an entrepreneurial spirit, um, but people were asking me like, hey, how do we get the music that you're playing in the club so we can work out to it? Um, and I think, you know, I would find myself at the time, you know, I'd work out in the mornings and I'm sitting there trying to make a playlist on iTunes or find something. And, 
you know, I would back in that day, like I would spend more time making the playlist than I would working out because the music for me was that important. And I'm like, this is so inefficient. Like, why can't we just take these these DJ sets and put them up so people can access them? Um, so, you know, we went to some attorneys in Atlanta and they were like, you can't do this. Like, you know, Spotify wasn't live in the US at the time. It was very early in the music streaming days. So, um, you know, there was a lot of attorneys that were like, hey, you, you, you might be able to do it this way and the labels will never license it. Um, it was just very new. So we just kind of did it anyway to see what would happen. So we started Super Bootstrap. Um, we were like making these playlists in the basement of the club uh, and we were putting them up on this like website that we threw up in a couple of weeks. Um, and this was right around the time too that the App Store came out, right? Um, so the App Store comes out and like, we're like, hey, let's turn this thing into an app. So we built it into an app and the app didn't work half the time. Like finding app developers back in that day when the App Store like is new to launch, like there were people that say they could do it, but there's a lot of folks that just didn't have the expertise that they said they did. So we had an app, um, people, I think the reviews were like, hey, when this thing works, it's awesome. <laughs> Um, and, you know, progressively the app got better over the years and, you know, we had a lot of organic traffic. I mean, I think there was a time where we were getting probably like 15 to 1700 downloads or installs a day. Um, it got big and, you know, I think, uh, in 2018, 19, we got really big, uh, big enough to where we got sued by, uh, all of the major music labels, um, you know, who were concerned about our functionality and felt like we were outside the DMCA. Um, which is a, you know, a U.S. copyright statute that kind of governs the way that uh, music services work. Um, that was probably the, the scariest moment of my life, man. I mean, you know, you're, I'm, you know, early 30s. Uh, I'm staring at, you know, and I haven't made a ton of money at this time, right? Like, it's not like we launched this thing like the dudes at LimeWire and they were making millions and they were disrupting music. Um, you know, I, I honestly, there was a lot of times that we thought we were going to lose everything. Um, my wife was pregnant at the time. It was kind of a freak out moment. But I think, you know, in meeting all the labels, what they realized is we were trying to do the right thing, that there just wasn't a way to carve out Fit Radio. Um, and thank God, you know, we had a ton of settlement payments. We had a lot of stuff that, you know, that we had to do. We had to change. Um, but we found a way to make it work. Um, and we went through, you know, a tough period of, of, of a few years where we had to kind of like revamp the service and make it work within the confines of our label agreements. Um, and, you know, looking back, I'm like, I don't even really know how it worked, but we made it through the other side and uh, we're here. It's a really cool story. And I love how you had both backgrounds, right? So you were involved in fitness. You were a personal trainer at some point. Yeah. You worked in gym. So you had that background. But then you also were in the nightclubs, hearing the music, people coming up to you asking about the music. And you sort of fused both of those things together to, to make Fit Radio. Now, tell me a little bit about the experience. So today I go on, I download the app, I sign up. What is the next step? How exactly does the user experience work? Yeah, you can sign up as an individual or as a gym. So we have two levels of service. Um, so the gym content is a little bit more robust and a little bit different than the individual content. But as part of the onboarding process, you'll you know tell us your genre preferences, tell us what style of workouts that you like to do um, and what style of music that you like, right? Um, and then from there, we deliver sort of a semi-customized experience. You'll have access to the app. Um, you know, you can search playlists by genre, by BPM, um, if you want to run a 10 minute mile, you know, you can find, you know, hundreds of playlists at 150 beats per minute to keep you on pace during that run. 
Um, you know, we've got everything from yoga to boxing style music. Um, so a little bit of everything. So, I, you know, I, I think in that sense, we don't really compete with Spotify and that we have this sort of very specific focus in, in fitness music. So most of our individual folks are, are fitness enthusiasts who are working out multiple days per week and just looking for that fresh playlist experience. Uh, so give me an experience of how a gym would use it, and maybe I'll just give you uh, what I think in my head, and you can tell me where I'm wrong. So I'm a, maybe a big, I'm a big gym at a country club or something, and I have music that's playing overhead, and I can pick some playlists out specifically. And then I also have uh, individual classes. I might have spin classes in there. I might have uh, kickboxing classes and things of that nature, and then I can still use your app inside of the classes, right? I can, I could be playing it in multiple locations. You could have one, uh, I guess you would say licenseship yeah. of your app and use it throughout your whole gym. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, we, we absolutely do that. And I'll plug one of our partners, um, LA fitness, their parent company, fitness international has a new sort of concept called club studio and in club studio, it's a big box gym, but they have like five boutique, uh, experiences inside of that gym. So they've got like a hit class, they've got a spin class, they've got boxing. So we have stations that can power and be specific to each one of those. So for instance, like a kickboxing class, most kickboxing instructors use like 140 beats per minute. So we have a kickboxing station, but club studio also uses us in the background. And of course that background music isn't as intense. It's not like you walk in a club studio and you're, you know, you're listening to 140 BPM mix or anything like that. Um, so yeah, we have specific background music, um, and then we have music that's catered towards each sort of uh, fitness modality. Are you using some sort of like uh, AI algorithm to choose this music based on genre and popularity? Are you curating this uh, with a with a person with more personalized touch? Is it a combination? Yeah, you know, I, I will say we fall more on the personalized touch, right? We do a lot of research with our partners. We rely heavily a lot on instructors that we work with. So we work with hundreds of instructors across the country who kind of help feed our music department and what, what's working. And then the DJs work with those instructors to create playlists. Um, we do have some learning algorithms inside. I, I wouldn't necessarily, I feel like there's a pretty uh, distinct difference between learning and AI. Um, if you're not familiar with this, you know, that. The music industry and AI, they've kind of taken a very firm stance on AI as of recently. They're like, you can't, you can't take our content and crawl it with AI, right? Because they're concerned about the deep fakes that are getting created and some of the stuff that's happening. Um, there's a lot, I think, that's going to come out that allows us to utilize the power of AI with music. But I think the music industry internally is really trying to uh, grasp them and understanding. Like, I think Google is working on a partnership with... Universal music where they can sort of take AI and create renditions of songs, but it's still very new and the label's trying to figure out like how artists get compensated, what that looks like. So um, we'll certainly be a part of that conversation once these like criteria or whatever the labels will allow comes out. Um, and we, we have engineers that, you know, work with AI, that experiment with AI, but we're sort of limited in how we can allow AI to crawl um, music content at this moment. I remember teaching a TRX suspension training class, and uh, I, I tried to always curate my, my own list, but sometimes I just didn't have the time to. And somebody had messaged me and said, hey, this radio station on Pandora is really good. It's called White Panda. So I put it on, and the class starts, and like the first song is just like explicit lyrics. 
and I'm telling you, this was like yeah. a 65 and over population, and it was bad. Is there a way to turn off yep. explicit lyrics? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we have we, that's a big part of our value proposition. We also power like 2,000 elementary schools and middle schools with PE music around the country. Um, so, we edit out all the profanity. Like, if, there, it, if there's a track that, you know, doesn't have a clean version, you know, we'll edit that out. Um, that's a huge part of our value add, especially to the gym partners um, that want that clean music experience. It's just, and it's not just, it's not just explicit, like words. It's also suggestive content. There's a lot of stuff out, especially in the hip hop genre that may not have a curse word in it, but it's certainly suggestive and it can be uh, a little bit awkward as an experience to listen to in the group setting. Yeah, that's great. You do that. I don't really know anyone else, one else who does that. Maybe, like you said, they take the explicit words out. But as far as the the content, the suggestive content, I think that's that, that takes another level of somebody going in and, and really taking their time to do that. It doesn't seem like anyone else really does that. Can you talk to me from the the artist perspective? If I'm a, an artist and I make music, and I think it'd be great uh, to, for people who work out in fitness, can I reach out to Fit Radio and say, hey, can you put my stuff on Fit Radio? How does that partnership kind of work? You know, we don't have anything set up like, you know, with like Spotify does where you, if you're an artist, you can get your content ingested inside of that platform. Um, we ingest content from the major labels. And as part of that, you know, as part of the royalty payments that we make, we ingest a lot of metadata, like ISRC numbers that are associated, like publishing data that are attached to the track so that we can pay and report to those artists properly. Um, it's something we've had a ton of artists reach out to and we're exploring, but you know, we're still kind of a smaller team. We're certainly not the size of Spotify. So for us, um, you know, at this at this point in time, like we need that content to come from the major labels. Sure, that makes sense. Um, so you don't have to name any names, but as far as whoever your competitors are out there, what do you do differently? What do you do better? Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there are a couple of services out there that are unlicensed that, you know, I mean, you know, that are like apps that were thrown up in foreign countries that, you know, I think the labels do their best to police that stuff. I mean, there's there's certainly uh, Apple tries to police the copycat space, but there's there's some copycats. I think the biggest difference between us and those folks is just the amount of content that we have, right? And the fact that we are licensed. So, um, you know, when a brand like Orange Theory wants to put something out, they need to understand that their partner is licensed, that they're going to be in business, and that it's a reputable company. Um, I think, you know, when you look at us versus the traditional services like, you know, Spotify, um, you know, Spotify itself is not licensed for commercial use, right? So like our service is available to be used in fitness for commercial purposes. So that's, you know, that's something that's very important to ensure that you're using something that's licensed properly for your use case. Um, you know, we, we also have, you know, another arm of our business that provides public performance licensing on behalf of our gym. So um, public performance meaning ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, and GMR. Those are licenses that gyms are required to have, especially if they have fitness classes. So we have a whole division of our company that helps our gym partners process those licenses, ensure compliance, um, and make that process easy because a lot of gym partners don't understand their obligations there. Um, and you know, we, we like to make that fair. So we're, we like to ensure that our gym partners are paying the fair rate and what they should be paying because in many cases, they're overpaying in some in some uh, in some instances. So, um, yeah. So we we offer sort of a, a fully robust experience specifically for fitness, um, and then obviously the amount of content that we're cranking out. 
Um, we've done a lot of research in this space um, with our partners and 95% um, of people surveyed said that the music is just as important as the instruction. So if you were to say, let's say you were looking at a, a Pandora playlist, right? The white panda playlist that you mentioned. That playlist is essentially going to stay the same. They're like, they might inject a song, but if you listen to that playlist 10 times, you're gonna hear about 70 to 80% of the same content. With us, if you take that same TRX and let's say you wanted to teach it at 130 BPMs or you just wanted an open format top 40 mix, you have hundreds if not thousands of hours to choose from. Um, and then in the, in the app, you're able to see like what's trending, what's working at other studios. So we put that in front of you in a way as an instructor, you know it's gonna be clean, you know it's gonna make sense for your class and most of our stuff is open format so it's pretty friendly across like a wide member demo. Um, and we just make that decision easy and it stay, you know, we keep the playlist fresh for every single class. Cause if you, we, we talk about this all the time and I, I think that trainers are great at making playlists, but the reality is if you're a gym, you cannot rely on your instructors to make 700 playlists a year, unless you dedicate five to 10 hours a week for just music. And that's not what happens. What often happens is. An instructor, they're like, oh, I really like this playlist, or I'm gonna make this playlist for this class and I think it's awesome. And it probably is great, but the problem is you can't play that multiple times, right? Like you need to keep that playlist fresh. And you don't have a lot of insight into the member demographics and what member music preferences are. You'll probably have a couple people that go, wow, I really loved your playlist today. But the reality and what we've seen is the people that don't like the playlist usually just don't say much. They just don't come back, right? Or they'll shorten their membership. Um, so we, what we do is we look at data from all over the world, right? Because what works at F45 or Orange Theory in Atlanta is very different than what works at Orange Theory in Pacific Northwest, right? Just different music tastes. Um, so I think that we look at what performs well. We rely on instructor feedback. Um, we work with our music uh, partners at the major labels and it's sort of this multifaceted approach to ensure that you have fresh content that's going to make sense for your class. You mentioned that you partner with certain uh, gyms and other like larger fitness organizations like Orange Theory. Do you currently or have you ever thought of partnering with certifications like people who teach like National Academy of Sports Medicine has a group fitness certification, right? So all of their instructors are now going on looking for music. Uh, it would seem to be a, like a natural partnership there. Yeah, you know, we recently had a couple of calls with, with his, uh, was it ISSA? Is it? Yes. Or, um, yep. Yeah, that's one yeah, of them. International Sports Science Association. Yeah, so they, and just training their instructors on music and programming. Um, so yeah, early discussions there, but I do think it's extremely valuable, you know, to teach fitness instructors, you know, what music options are out there, the data that we see, and we, you know, we share a lot of that data with our partners about what works and what doesn't work and what we see across, you know, at least our gym partners. And, uh, I think we're, we're certainly open to uh, continuing partnerships like that in the future. Yeah, somebody who's you know worked in gyms for a long time, over 30,000 hours certainly at this point, uh, it's, it's a hang up that a lot of instructors have, especially older instructors. So you're talking about really good fitness instructors who've been in the industry for a long time, who might be in their 50s, who don't have the technological grasp, who can't do what you and I can do. And uh, yep. not saying we are doing this, but if anyone was downloading illegal torrents, let's say for music, uh, a 50 year old can't do that. Uh, they, they don't have the grasp to do that, so they 
they're really stuck. And I think it's not only going to be good for the younger population coming up to have fit radio, but really giving it to the older instructors who, who otherwise don't know how to work the, the technology aspect. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, we're constantly trying to simplify our user experience to make that easy. Um, I mean, I think that, I think I looked recently at, we power several hundred YMCAs that are using us, I think in, in water aerobics, we have old, like sort of older genres of music. We, you know, we, you can go back to fifties and sixties and seventies inside of fit radio. So, um, I will say we don't put out as much programming in those genres because that music is not coming out anymore. Um, but we do have a vast amount of content that, that makes sense for, for that demographic. So talk to me a little bit more. I know in the front end when you were explaining the app, you told me some of the problems you had. But just technically speaking or like from a marketing standpoint, what are some of the other snafus that you ran into or snags in the process? As me, somebody who's developing an app, it's, it's, that's really interesting to me. Yeah, you know, I think I made um, I think I made a mistake as an entrepreneur early in my career of just not listening enough, right? And I, I think that, you know, I I had this vision of, you know, we can, you know, we're never going to be Spotify, right, based on our functionality, but we could have tens of millions of consumers that use our app, right? And the entire time, I had thousands of gyms that were using us. And the service was priced at five to seven bucks a month at the time. And the gyms had all of these issues and they were willing to pay more money, but we weren't really trying to solve their problems in the early days. And it was kind of right in front of my face, right? So it was, it was you know, in 2018, kind of taking a step back and going, wait, who's using this? And like, how can I just solve their problems? And I think that if I could tell my younger self something, I think it would be that, right? Like. You know, when my my thought has always been, you know, I'm, I'm sort of a serial entrepreneur and I've, I have to constantly remind myself to focus on what I'm doing and not start other businesses. But um, you're either in the nice to have business or in the, you're in the must have, right? And I think when I looked at our business in the consumer space, we were a nice to have, right? If you, if you had the uh, extra income and you were a fitness enthusiast, hey, this app is great. But in the fitness space, we were a must have. Right? We were solving some major problems. We were enhancing member experience all over the country. And I was over here focused on marketing to consumers where we were a nice to have. Um, so I think that was like, that was like, I think the big turning point for us is when we, we said, hey, we're gonna focus on in-studio music. We're gonna do it better than anybody else. And if you wanna take this home and work out to it, great. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. I, I think the economics term is like, you don't create a market, you find out what the market needs and you adjust accordingly. And a lot of people don't do that because they follow their vision and their dream instead of taking a step back and saying, okay, now that I've followed my dream, let's say halfway, now I need to step back, look at what's going on and see what is gonna be the easier path to success also. And it seems like that's exactly what you did. I, I wanna go back to something you were talking about with tempo. 80% of my listeners understand that. They understand uh, because they're in the fitness space, but 20% of people listening to this podcast are just general population. Can you explain a little bit more about uh, tempos sure. and BPMs concerning music? Yeah, so like we talk tempo, we talk beats per minute, right? So like that's how many beats are in a measure of music, whether it's four bars or eight bars. Um, so, you know, like, you know, when we look at most instructors and most fitness classes, which I kind of have a beef with, uh, use 130, right? And I don't know who created this whole 130 thing. And we have a ton of 130 content, 
But we also have spoken to a lot of brands about trying to branch out and move higher in BPMs, uh, specifically like Orange Theory and F45. Um, and we could talk about that more, but yeah, I mean, beats per minute, I mean, just like your heart, if your heart beats 75 beats per minute, it's how many beats per minute you would expect um, the music on the either, you know, on the beat, in the measure. Um, but yeah, just basically how many measured beats that you're gonna have in a given minute. And you believe that maybe it's too low in the songs and the music you're using. Now also, can you maybe elaborate on, am I taking a song and changing how fast that song is going, that pace, or am I finding songs that already have that BPM? Yeah, so, you know, there are a couple of, I, I think there's maybe a, a couple of, I don't even know the names, a couple of knockoff apps where you can adjust the music tempo like that. Um, we don't do, we don't allow the user to do that. But what we do allow you to do is you could play an entire hour of 130 BPMs. I mean, we have hundreds, if not thousands of hours of content all the way from 115 all the way up to 180 beats per minute. Um, we are allowed under our label licenses to adjust the BPMs um, of, of tracks between five and seven beats per minute. Um, we're one of the only services that's licensed to do that. Um, but I think the key is, you know, you can't really go outside of seven to 10 beat, beats per minute, right? Like I, I remember there was like a sideload app that they were using in Orange Theory to do this a while back. And you had instructors that were cranking up BPMs like 15 to 20 beats per minute. Um, and it just, I mean, it made the music, it took away the integrity of the music. Um, yeah. And I think one of our goals is to um, really be true to the artist and what they've created and make sure that we're not um, creating a way or facilitating a way for people to manipulate that piece of art. If I was a individual group fitness instructor, maybe I worked at three or four gyms doing different classes around my uh, local area, I would, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, I would purchase the sort of the, the individualized version of this, right? And be able to hook it up rather than the gym because I'm not a gym or, or no, do you get a gym licenship even if you're an individual group fitness instructor? Yeah, so one of the things that we had to do as part of our label license is restructure the service on usage base, right? Because when, you know, I had that moment of like, wow, we have thousands of gyms. We had a lot of gyms that were using us 24 hours a day, right? And if you do the math just on the base per play rate, these gyms, we were losing a ton of money on those gyms. Mm -hmm. So what we did is we kind of went back to the early days of, of Pandora. I don't know if you remember these days, but like when they initially launched, you had like 40 hours a month for free. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what we do, our base user subscriptions, our individuals get up to 35 hours a month, right? And for 99% of individuals that work out, that gives them an hour a day. It's plenty of enough time. Um, and then we have a coach tier subscription that's 20 bucks a month and gets you up to 75 hours. So a lot of the folks that do what you were just mentioning that teach at multiple places, some can fall into individual. I technically can't like sell them that, but we have a coach tier that's a professional version of the app. Comes with all the pro content, gets you up to 75 hours, and it usually gives enough time for those folks that teach uh, multiple classes per week. Did you have some sort of uh, fundraising round when you guys were at a certain level to uh, partner with other people to sort of back you in your, in your ventures? Did you take that on yourself? If that's too personal, you don't have to answer. No, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to. I, you know, I'll tell you, I did pretty well at a young age with nightlife and promoting events, right? Made a, a 
really good amount of money for a young kid in his mid twenties. Um, I put everything I had into this, right? Which was the scary moment. I do have one partner and I'll tell you, we tried to, we tried to raise money like multiple times, right? Like we, we went out to the capital markets and we're like, Hey, this is what we're doing. And no one wanted to touch music at the time, right? The licenses were too new. And I would talk to VCs and they're like, Hey, uh, go out and get a hundred thousand subscribers and then come back to me. And I'm like, well, if I get a hundred thousand subscribers, I don't really need to talk to you. Right? Like yeah. that's the whole point. Um, yeah. and you know, we got there, right? So we get to that point and then we get sued by the labels and then we, we actually really needed money to, to pay settlement payments. Right. And I like, I took out, you know, I took out home equity loans against my house. Like I put everything back on the line to get those settlement payments paid. Um, and it took years, right? Where, you know, we were, you know, trying to be frugal at Fit Radio, working with a small team, transitioning the business model, paying off settlement payments. Um, but we finally came out the other side, man. I mean, it's, and, and now like <laughs> you get to this point, we're licensed by the labels. We have a unique business model and I get emails all the time and I don't take the calls anymore, right? Because Good it's just you. one of those things like when I really needed it, you weren't there and like, you know, I mean, it's not that like we're rolling in cash, but I'm certainly not going to go out to a VC and get beat up on my business model at this point. Right. Like when we've already done all of the hard work at this point. Um, and I don't know if you've ever seen like the, the, the typical, like there's an infograph that I can send you after the, after the call, but it's like the typical startup, right? There's the initial enthusiasm that peaks and it's through the roof and you think this thing is going to work. And then there's this, trough of sorrow, right? And for most companies, it lasts years. And a lot of people pivot, most people quit. And then you finally find product market fit and you come out the other side. And we're just right there now. I think, you know, we're starting to, the labels trust us now. Like the folks at BMI, CSAC and ASCAP, they, they look highly upon us because we've kind of helped a lot of gyms get compliant on the licensing side. So we're doing the right things for music, but we're, you know, we're also solving a problem in that space. Um, and we're, we're certainly excited about the future, but, um, you know, really no plans. I think that, you know, our team for the most part, everybody that's here has been here since day one and they've kind of seen it. And there's a, there's a buzz around here right now. It's exciting. Um, you know, and I, and I think that we've been doing this a long time, but like we've only been, we've only had this business model for a couple of years. So, um, just really excited about, you know, what we can do over the next few years. That's an awesome story, um, and I love how it you know turned out positive. And like you said, you kind of have to stick it out. So many people uh, who are entrepreneurs don't they, they give up, and you'll never be successful if you give up. At some point, though, maybe it is the better decision to quit. But in, in most instances, it's like you said, it's just, it's just finding the right market and finding the time. And I also love how you said, you know, I needed VC help at a certain time. They weren't willing to give it to me. Now they're reaching out to me. Screw you. If and when I need it again, I'll reach out to you, and it's going to be on my terms because I already have a successful product now, and uh, that—that's how the game should be played. Yeah. yeah, it's it's weird. It's like they're like, okay, we want you to get to five million ARR, and then like, then we'll, we'll be prepared to write a big check. And it's like once you get to that point, you don't like, I mean, you don't really need the check anymore. So I mean, it's tough, you know. I mean, you know, there's a lot of companies that that do great, that go out and raise a lot of capital. Um, you know, but like we take our staff out, we buy our staff lunch every day, right? Like we don't have to answer to VCs about stuff like that. So, um, you know, we're, we're bootstrapped. We'll always be bootstrapped. And, you know, 
I feel like, you know, if you put a bunch of people who love what they do in the room, like you're ultimately going to do the right thing if, you know, you just keep going. And as you, I'm sure, already know, the more sort of cooks in the kitchen, as they say, the more problems, you know, like so somebody owns whatever 10% equity in the company, then they think they can start making decisions. And they're like, hey, Rusty, I, you know, I really think your, you know, your interface doesn't look right. We need to change black screen to a white screen. These like little aesthetic things. And you're like, screw you. Like, like this isn't, yeah. I, I've developed, I've developed this. I put my life's work into this. Like you're giving me your money because you trust my decision making. I don't need your help. Yeah, that's honestly a great point. Like I had a meeting with some bankers recently and like the first thing they said, they were like, hey, uh, yeah, what we want to do is we want to take this model and, and we want to put you into restaurants and retail. And I'm like, man, that's a really crowded space, right? Like that's a completely different space and it's just not what we do. And, you know, we have a unique opportunity in fitness at, just because of the way that we're licensed to really grow and, and solve a lot of problems for that market. And we're just kind of touching, we're just touching the surface of that market. So um, to your point, like that was like a prime example of like, all right, let's come in and change everybody's focus because there's more restaurants than gyms and that market looks sexier on paper. And it's like, that's not, you know, that's not the business that we're running right now, at least. Yeah, if, any, if anything, you would hope that they would say, hey, listen, to get more data on what music people like, let's expand like, like internationally let's see what is maybe trending in exactly. wherever like or even trending in california that's going to move because you know it's sort of the coasts in my opinion you can tell me if i'm wrong that have the trends in music and it kind of moves inward right you usually don't get trends in music in like in like oklahoma mm -hmm. and then it moves out it's like it's happening in new york and la and then it moves back in it's like why don't these people see like we want more data let's move internationally let's not change the whole business model exactly yeah like Australia, we do really well, pretty comparable. Canada, really well. But, you know, I think I've spent a lot of my time, and it's a big part of our focus is, is territory expansion, right? Like, we have a lot of territory requests and the labels to look to expand. And it, there's a lot of work in understanding what fitness is like in, in France and Eastern Europe, right? Because it's very different. Like, you just don't have the number of studios in France and Germany and Spain. Like, those folks are doing a lot of stuff outside. Um, it's a lot more sort of lifestyle, like they're going to ride their bike to work every day or walk to work or run every day or they're going to play soccer for an hour and a half after work. Um, so really just trying to like understand those markets and what markets create opportunities for us. Rusty, this has been fantastic information. Give my audience and listeners a little bit more insight as to where they can find Fit Radio or maybe if they have a question for you specifically about entrepreneur stuff, where they can find you. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can check our website out. Uh, it's fitradio.com. We're also in all the app stores on Fit Radio. We're also on the Sonos platform. Um, if you listen on Sonos, you have a Sonos system. Um, I'm on Instagram at rusty underscore green. I'm happy to give out my email address too. It's rusty at fitradio.com if anybody has any questions. I'm happy to chat anytime. My guest today has been Rusty Green, CEO of Fit Radio. I will put all the links in the description. Rusty, thank you for joining the Truly Fit Podcast. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for joining us on the Truly Fit Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review on your listening platform, and feel free to email us. We'd love to hear from you. Social at trulyfit.app. Thanks again.